Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast, an audio experience where we don't just talk about it, we live it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Young Wild Financially Free Podcast. My name is Andrew Roberts, and I'm sitting across from my co-host, Aquafresh. <laughs> my boy, Aquafresh. Matt Typhi, what's going on, everybody? And today's episode, we're not going to be us around. No small talk. We're going to jump right into it. So our interview on today's episode is with Mr. Ryan Rodenbeck. Cool guy. Awesome Successful guy. broker. Good energy. Mm-hmm. And he's the broker of Spyglass Realty. Yep fascinating guy sharp dresser god man he looks good <laughs> and he's like one of the hardest workers i've we've come across like yeah. he's just a hustler i mean he's a just a i don't even know how to say a better word hustler True that's what blood, he is real estate broker entrepreneur hustler exactly yeah and so we learned his story you got to dive into that find out where he was from and kind of what his plans are for spyglass and what his personal plans are gonna happen and um, really what he attributes to his success today with Spyglass. Yeah, yeah, it was fun to be around him, and uh, he's obviously been doing it for a long time, and there's a lot to learn from everybody, uh, but him in particular, because he's just been doing it for so long. He's been in this market, a lot of experience, a lot of agents, and he's doing some cool things. So mm-hmm. it was a pleasure for me. That was the first time I met him, uh, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Good dude, and you know, on this podcast, we have entrepreneurs on here and who aren't in real estate. We also have real estate agents and successful people in the real estate industry. And with him, we got the full package. We got the full Monty, everything in one package. So it was awesome to see uh, his different outlook on on different areas of one being an entrepreneur, but two, you know, just working in the real estate industry in general. Yeah, running a successful business in Austin yep. and in the real estate market. So you know, he's got a lot going on. Oh yeah. Big time. Well, without further ado, we hope you guys enjoy today's episode with Mr. Ryan Rodenbeck. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Sure, yeah. So you and I uh, met just a few weeks ago. You were putting on an Instagram class at ABOR, mm-hmm. um, Austin Board of Realtors, um, which I really enjoyed. And that kind of inspired me to want to ask you to be on the podcast just because you seem so knowledgeable and so aggressive with your online marketing for your business. And so I really wanted to just dive into your story um, sure. and see kind of what led you um, to today. So where are you from originally? So I'm from a small town in uh, Louisiana, Alexandria, Louisiana, and I moved to Houston in the very late 90s. And I moved to Austin in about uh, 2000, I believe it was. Um, I was doing some work for, uh, I owned a company that processed claims for people that had defective siding and there was a class action lawsuit, um, against this, this siding company. So we did a lot of uh, work for people that owned multiple, uh, properties, property management companies. It's Masonite siding. You may be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that class action lawsuit ran out in 2005 and was looking to get into something else. So I started getting into um, multifamily sales. I thought it was going to be really cool to tell people that I was like an investment specialist. Yeah. Right? Um, at the same time, we started a property management company that we got to, I had a, a broker in California that I was partnered with and he was actually having seminars over there. He was sending people to 
us and we got to like 500 doors in like record time probably two years mm-hmm. um we had duplexes triplexes fourplexes and it ended up being a complete and utter nightmare oh boy yeah uh we just grew too fast we did not have the infrastructure in place um we ended up uh selling the account i probably would have given away um, but we, we got a little bit of money from it, not much. And then I started Spyglass Realty in 2008 with my focus was on investment property, residential income property. Again, homes, duplexes, fourplexes, uh, but ma- mainly for investors. Sure, yeah. Um, so what I realized in about 2000, you know, uh, we were going through the recession in about 2000. 9 2010 I wanted I loved investment property but I wanted to get I wanted to be a top producing agent so uh, I you know basically went to a few conferences you know did some coaching and figured out uh, that I needed to have a differentiated value um, took lessons from anybody that, that I could that was doing a lot of uh, you know high high volume sales I wouldn't say luxury sales but you know doing a lot of sales and uh, my wife started doing staging for us, and we got into uh, offering staging services for free. Uh, the idea was we were going to start charging for it, and we never did. <laughs> so that's how I got. That's how Spyglass Realty basically started. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, well, there's a lot there that I want yeah. to dive into. So, uh, why Houston? Was that for college? No, I wanted to get out of Louisiana, and okay. um, I had some friends in Houston, and so I just you know, moved there to basically get out of Louisiana. I was nothing really going on in Louisiana. I went to a couple semesters of college, but sure. I don't really have a college education. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. cool. And then, so how long were you in Houston for? I was in Houston for three and a half years. Okay. Yeah. And what were you doing there? I was selling cell phones. Okay, cool. Yeah, I did that for a couple different companies, and you know... That got me to the sales gig, and gotcha. um, and then we started that company processing the siding claims, uh-huh. um, and that's uh, what brought me to Austin. Gotcha. Um, when you were growing up uh, in Louisiana, did you have jobs throughout high school, throughout your childhood? Yeah, um, I was very entrepreneurial from a very early age. I sold uh, signs on the side of the road that said, support our vets. Um, I waited tables, uh, you know, everything I, I've done has always been related to interactions with people. Um, I, I always make the joke that my superpower is that I'm fun at parties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, 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 in reality is that uh, I, I like being around people. I'm drawn to people. Uh-huh. I, I think I showed you in my office. I've got an office next door that could be my office and I sit out in kind of the common area because I, right. don't, I don't like to be alone. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. That's awesome. Um, and do you have any any siblings or only? Children? I have a uh, an older sister, and um, she lives here in Austin. Her name is Dina Davis. Cool. She owns a Davis company. She's a real estate broker herself. Oh wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Did she get into real estate after you did, or did we you both got in at the same time? Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. That's very awesome. Um, and so, uh, I guess jumping forward, mm-hmm. Spyglass. Yeah. What's the meaning behind the name? Well, <laughs> we lived on Spyglass Drive. And um, at the time when I started Spyglass, I was still working on investment property. 
Um, and that's what I thought I wanted to do for like the first year and a half, two years. Um, and I still do investment property, but uh, I changed. And when we were looking for a name, we were looking for a name that had whateverrealty.com uh, that would be available on GoDaddy. And that was um, the uh, Secretary of State wasn't taken. Uh-huh. So uh, we went through so many different ones and we basically... Uh, saw a movie and the beginning says Spyglass Entertainment. Yeah. And every time we think of a name, we'd rush to the, the go to Secretary of State's website and we'd go to GoDaddy.com and that one worked. We had lived on Spyglass Drive a few years before and uh, I, I, I knew it was a hit because the first week I got my business cards, like the second or third person I, I handed my card to, they said, they looked at it and they said, Oh yeah, I've heard of you guys. Oh wow, which was impossible. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it was right. a very recognizable name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's smart. So, and you keep saying we. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my wife and I. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she she helped me found the company, and she's been a, a big part of it for many many years. And uh, only recently has she taken a step back gotcha. from the company, and that was just better for home life. You sure. Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. So how did you guys meet? Uh, at a bar in Louisiana. <laughs> so she's from Louisiana too? Yeah, she's from Louisiana. Yeah. Cool. So we've been married for almost 16 years and wow. uh, known each other for about 21 years. Yeah. yeah. Not dated the whole time, but, right. you know. Gotcha. Yeah. off. And uh, so did y'all get into real estate at the same time too? No. So she uh, was a CPA when she moved here and she worked at a CPA office um, and Really, what happened was our business was the the first brokerage we had with the property management company was fairly successful. We were making decent money, um, but what happened was, and this is the, you guys are property management, so it's right. like you can really understand this. But you know, to be honest with you, we didn't know what we were doing, right? My California broker partner uh, said that he knew what he was doing; he was going to handle the back end stuff. That did not happen. Okay. Um, and I went from being what I thought was kind of a glamorous, you know, uh, investment sales guy to basically being a property manager. I didn't do the books, but I had to over, we had so much stuff going on in such a little time that I had to manage all the employees. It was a nightmare. Uh-huh. So we had a property manager that had been with us for uh, about a year and a half. And she left one day and the books were so messed up that she, my wife had to basically quit her job and come to work with us, you know, and, and basically she spent, I mean, she literally spent three months reconstructing every single account and figuring out, you know, what had happened, you know, why is it all so messed up? I mean, Uh and, um, and that's how she got into that business. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then once she was in, she just stuck around. She stuck around. Yeah. yeah. And then she got into staging. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? You know, you hear a lot of people that use property management companies. Like a lot of times there's fraud. Yeah. A property manager stealing because it's actually really easy to Mm -hmm. do with Anything like that, or what was no, it? That it was... wasn't. So what happened was, and, and, and I've actually heard this happening several times, and you know, um, we thought it was too. You know, there was a lot of money missing. You know, that we had to, we had to pay back. What had happened was that uh, they she was not charging the owners for some of the work that was being done. It was just a complete 
accounting mismanagement, uh-huh. right? And this is probably why she left. So we had, a, I mean, it wasn't that much money, but like, you know, it, it, we had owners that were getting this stuff done that she was paying the uh, vendors for and not charging them. So it came out of the accounts. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. totally. Came yeah. out of the operating account. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we had to like, basically, I mean, we had one month where like, okay, we're, we're, we had, we had to do our disbursements like a month late right. and say, let's get this figured out sure. and, uh, and, and, you know, cost us money, of course, mm-hmm. but we ended up, we ended up putting it all back together, sending, you know, uh, selling the accounts whole and it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My, that was my next question was uh, at what point did you decide to pull the trigger and, you know, um, sell? Well, yeah. As soon as like immediately after we, we got all after that cleaned, got up. cleaned yeah. up. Yeah. And, and when I started Spyglass, I, you know, the you know we talk about social media and um you know adding value to your clients lives and and one of the biggest things that i've been able to do it it, it, i think one of the biggest successes in my career is my newsletter Mm -hmm. so when i started spyglass realty started completely fresh in 2008 um i had to start completely over i had a period where like a nine-month period with another another brokerage the financial collapse had happened, right. you know, the people that were investing, a lot of the people that were investing back in 2005 were investing with, you know, 5% down on a fourplex. And that 5%, they had uh, used a, a home equity loan to get into, yeah. right? And I tell you, I was 27 years old. Every person that got into my car was more experienced. They knew what they were, they thought they knew what they were doing, uh-huh. but they were too, too highly leveraged. So... I had to start completely over in 2008, and the way I did that, again, the first probably two years of, of Spyglass Realty was still investment, and I made a decision that I was going to try and just rebuild a database with investors that had money. So what I did is I would call the listing agents in Austin that um, had foreclosure listings, and I said, do you mind if I put your listing on... Uh, Craigslist and advertise it for you and they all said that's okay so what I would do is I would take I would comb through all the foreclosures and I would look at the um, as is price versus the uh, you know after repair value and then the rent value and I would came up with the top 10 foreclosure list and I literally did that um, once a week for probably a year and a half it was a lot of work you know Um, and, and I built up a list really quickly of, I mean, I think it was like 250 people, um, a lot of investors. And then in around 2010 was when I really wanted to get into, uh, you know, being a, a top producing agent and kind of shifted gears completely. Mm-hmm. You know, I realized that selling single family homes, uh, I was worried about being the cheesy realtor, you know. Um, so, and, and we do such a, realtors do such a bad job, you know, so I really invested a lot of time and money in, in making sure that we were presenting the properties well, and then getting into, you know, the marketing of the properties. And this is right around when Facebook became very popular in the U S and, you know, I just jumped straight into that. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm curious about the, like, you know, after the you sold the property management company, mm-hmm. um, what was it that like made you want to stay in real estate? I mean, a lot of people would see that as like, man, this was tough. 
I want to get out. I want to, you know, do something totally different. Yeah. Well, so I, I never intended to be like, like the idea was that we were going to, uh, start a property management company, but I wasn't going to be the one, uh, that was running it. So I never had a problem with the sales part of it. It was just the property management part of it. And you know, what I tell people, what I talk to clients that are that my investor clients is like, you know, you need to be really careful with your proper picking a good property manager because I knew that like I'm, my brain is not wired that way. Right. right? My brain is wired for sales. I don't have this great attention for detail in my business. Digitally I do. Okay. But you know, you got to have, I mean, you guys can attest to this. You got to have someone on your team that's very, I have that, that mindset of an accountant, mm, right. you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and very organized. And it's a, you know, that we talked before this, it's a thankless job, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, so, so I wanted to get back into sales. I never had a problem with sales. I loved sales. I just didn't. And I loved investment property. Right. The reason I got away from investment property is my main source of business is because uh, I, I, I figured out if I did residential right, there was more money in it. Yeah. So, so um, tell me about uh, your personal experience with investing in properties. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, you know, I've probably owned 30 homes or duplexes, you know, 30 properties, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, throughout my, you know, 15 year career. And uh, um, we, even when all these investors were coming in back in the day, uh, we never did were that leveraged. We always put twenty percent down. I've never put less than twenty percent down. Um, uh, when the crash happened and my income went virtually nothing, we we had about six properties and I sold about five of them. And you know, because I had to, but like I I, I never suffered. You uh-huh. know, we we just kind of got over that that hump. And now um, I work with some investors, not many, about six or seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, my team works with some a little bit, um, but I own uh, six duplexes and like two houses, and we use a delayed finance uh, method. Have you heard of that? Where basically you 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 go and you pay cash. Like we I have a partner with this, and we, we both have lines of credit. So you pay for the property in cash. We like to buy properties that need need improvements, and then we fix up the property. And then if you finance it within six months, they will give you up to 75% of the uh, financed value. So the idea is if you bought a $200,000 property uh, just out of nowhere, um, like like your normal way, you would be paying 20% of that be $40,000, okay? But if you buy a $160,000 property um, and you pay cash, and that a property appraises for two hundred thousand, you're, you're they're going to pay you back up to seventy five percent. So you get to leverage your money more. Um, and the way we started doing it, like like we've had this partnership for like seven years now, we've never taken one dime of disbursements for the rent, right? Um, it's all gone into the next deal. Yeah. So we've amassed you know a couple million, few million dollars of real estate. And I think, you know, of the first two or three properties, we all were in it out of pocket about $100,000. Yeah. You know, after you, you shuffle the money around. You know. This podcast is provided by Tree Homes Property Management. 
If you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, whether it's one episode or half an episode, you probably figured out that Matt, my co-host, owns this company, Tree Homes Property Management, and I am his marketing director for that company. And what we do is we help real estate investors and homeowners with their full-service property management. So that includes finding renters, that includes collecting rent and depositing it into your bank account, and that includes full maintenance on all of your properties, making sure they're up to code, making sure that you're getting the most out of your investment. So that's what we do. We love it. We fully believe in everything that we do. And, you know, our mission here is really just to provide homeowners and renters a world-class property management service. And, you know, our vision is to create and facilitate opportunities for financial freedom. Like, that's the goal with our company, and that's why we created this podcast. If you guys have any questions about our company or what we do, feel free to look us up online. Our website is www.trehomes.com. That's tree with one E, homes.com. If you're thinking about getting invested in real estate or have some properties that you already own, we are happy to help in any way that we can. Whether that's just hopping on a phone call or corresponding through email with some free advice, just let us know. We're happy to be your go-to guys. Very cool. So uh, on the investment side, obviously Austin's super hot and mm-hmm. a lot of people find a major challenge in finding deals. Yeah. How do you look at that right now? Uh, how do you you know, advise people to find deals? Like how could an investor get started here with it being so competitive and so hot? Yeah, you look for the opportunities that other people are passing on, right? Um, and I, and I, ever since I've owned that property management company, I'm very particular about what I'll get an investor in. I have investors that send me stuff all the time. I'm like, no, no, no. Um, but like, you know, we're, I'm going to contract right now after I leave this, I'm going to go to inspection because there's a, a duplex on the uh, east side on one that like it was 315,000. It had foundation problems. It had, uh, it probably has a plumbing problem. It, it, it needs work. And we estimate that it probably needs about $50,000 worth of, of work. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a position to buy a property and put that money in at, you know, I think, what is that? It'll be 365 well, after repairs is what's all in. That property will be worth 385 to 400,000. So the idea with that is like, like I don't really work with flippers, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, in fact, we rank very highly on Austin investment properties. We get a lot of people, flippers, that, that call me and just, that's not what I want to work with. But if you want to gain equity and you're okay putting the work in, then you know over time, you do one of these every two years, right. you know, you, you're making your money when you buy it, maybe not much, anywhere from 20 to 40,000, okay? And or when you buy it and repair it, obviously. Right. And then, you know, you have appreciation and the rents go up. Right. Yeah. So I think that's that's the deal. It's like we, we look at properties that that are quote market value that don't need any work. Maybe they could be fixed up, but they don't have any big problems with it. Like I'm not afraid of the big problems. Uh, I just want the area to be nice and I want the after repair value to be nice. And when we fix that property up, we don't want the owner to uh, have overpaid. Right. Right. Good point. Mm hmm. And as far as, you know, you looking, you, you have this duplex under contract, are you actively looking every day or do the opportunities just kind of come in front of you just because you're in the business? Yeah, well, so for me personally, um, I, I do about two or three flips a year. The, the one I'm talking about is for an investor. Okay. Okay. 
Um, I do about two or three flips a year and literally those literally just fall in my lap. Right. I'm not a professional flipper. I make less money than, than a flipper does I, because, you know, we have a fairly well-known brokerage and like my name's attached to it. So I put more money into it. I don't want anybody to, you know, buy a flip of mine and say, oh, I bought this flip that Spygush Realty owned and they did a cheap job. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, they just kind of fall on my yeah, lap. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah. And uh, as far as you being an agent and having brokerage or mm-hmm. having the brokerage, having agents here, mm-hmm. can you tell us kind of what that looks like? How many agents? Mm-hmm. And then... How do you decide between if you're going to work with the client or pass it on to one of your agents? Yeah, good question. And that's evolved a lot in the last two years is that we have 15 agents here. I'm a producing broker, a reluctantly producing broker. Um, And the reason I say that is because my passion these days is in, um, in training and marketing. I love doing it, right? What I'm over is getting a internet lead because we get a lot of them. And what I'm over is getting an internet lead and going out and competing for the business, especially if it's outside of this zip code. Mm-hmm. So I've got referral business that comes in. Okay. Um, I particularly, I don't usually work outside of the zip code unless it's a past client or referral. Um, and so I'm not in, I'm not in a traditional sense a competing broker. Because mm-hmm. anything else that you're getting, you're giving to the other agents and you just have your personal niche. Yeah, I have my personal niche. And, and you know, like at, right now, if I get a listing, if I get a lead in the zip code, I, I, will, I will take it. But that is going to end hopefully by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to be just completely um, referral and past clients. Because what happens is, you know... I, I need I, I have a, a set thing in my mind that in, that if I can get to 30 agents I this, this, this is it's almost like a startup I know we've been in business for 11 years but I've only really been working on the team part of it for like five mm-hmm. okay um, and and I think I need to get the 30 agents to make up for my production right you know okay how do you uh, go about finding agents and what's your criteria as far as like who do you look for? Yeah, good question. So, you know, we we want quality here. I, I don't want to be just an agent mill where people can hang in their license. Um, so, you know, I, I'm doing, I have the Instagram account uh, at Realty Hack and I, I do a, uh, a newsletter, uh, uh, sorry, not, yeah, I guess I'd call it a newsletter. I do about once a week, I'm doing training videos. Mm-hmm. And about half of them are literally the training videos from, we have a weekly Zoom huddle, video huddle, and I'll cut like a five or 10 minute segment out of that. It's stuff that I'm teaching my agents. So I'll send that out to a group of agents that I'm trying to recruit. And it's very passive recruitment. Like, you know, if I, I go to on like three to five coffee appointments a week and like, I'm not gonna be the guy that calls you up five times in the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, my idea is I want to get in front of somebody for a coffee meeting, add value for 30 minutes. And then when that big life event happens at their brokerage and they're getting my emails, I'm adding value to them. I want to be thought of. Cool. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, would it be a sniper rifle approach as far as you see a particular agent 
that you like what they're doing and you're trying to yeah pass it you know not over aggressive but that's who you're trying to get is like versus you know have coffee with every agent you can find absolutely so well two things with that one you know the the, the method methodology with me trying to recruit an agent and me trying to recruit a client mm-hmm. right and the way that i do things on social media it's all about adding value and that's the biggest thing right it's like don't sell give givers gain and so I'm really uh, purposeful on that. And, and as far as requirements for agents, like the, what I look at, and, I, and it's, it took me like two months to get a list and I'm not even done yet because we have 13,000 agents in Austin, okay? Mm-hmm. 70% of them do less than three deals a year, mm-hmm. okay? So, so that it's, it actually whittles that down. So what I look for are agents that have been in the business and do, you know, over three or four million, okay? Um, because we can help them with that, right? We, we've been very good at getting agents from three or four to six, okay? Um, we're good at, at helping agents that, that have, you know, eight to 10 million uh, sustain their business and get it, get it further. But the other thing I'm looking for is agents that have been in the business for less than two years and they've gotten to, maybe they're doing two million a year. Because it's hard. Your first year as a real estate agent is really, really hard. Yeah. What I don't want is I don't want agents that have been in the business for 10 years and have done $2 million Because yeah. that's, that, that's a lack of drive. Yeah. But if you've been in business for two years and you got $2 million done, most agents pick the wrong brokerage to begin with. Mm. But, you know, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I don't think people realize. Like, I, mean, I know when I first started... I just went with the the first meeting I had, yeah, and I had four others set up, and he said, "I'll take you," and I was so excited, yeah. But you know, they don't realize like there's a lot of options out there. There's a lot of options, and most of them are bad for new agents. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, I mean, there's plenty of these companies that that are going to be good if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's three things that an agent needs to 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 be successful, and that is leads. Uh, a strong tech hub and training. Mm-hmm. And so that's the focus of our brokerage, right? And we we have a leads program, but like right now when we have like, you know, the 15 people that are taking it, only five are taking leads full time. Mm-hmm. There may be a couple other that jump in, but they have the other stuff to go on. And difference between me and other brokers is that I tell them, we're not a team in the sense that like we, you're just taking my leads. Mm-hmm. You take my leads because you don't have your own. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have your, when you start getting your sphere of influence, you wean off of my leads mm-hmm. because we take a bigger split on our leads. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, just spyglass as a company, what is your vision? Where do you see it going? Yeah. Any major goals or or just kind of keep on the path that you're on. Yeah, so my, 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 my major goal is to have, um, by the end of the year, 30 agents with an average production of, you know, uh, five or six million. And that's a little bit kind of misleading because like right now, we probably have an average production of five million, but we have four agents that are gonna do over 10 this year, and then a couple that are doing, you know, right at the two to three, but like, those are agents that we recruited that have only been in the business for you know less than two years, mm-hmm. and so they're doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, you know, I probably want to get to about fifty in the next two years. Um, 
I don't think that I want to get too much higher. I, 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 you know, everything's open, but like what I don't want to have, I don't want to get to, you know, 150, 200 agents unless I can do it by keeping the, the company culture. And that's way off, right? Because like right now, what's, what's first and foremost in my mind is having a really good company culture, right? We, we, like we have a happy hour at the end of today. We have a happy hour every Tuesday, every, every other Thursday, right? We, we have, um, we're on uh, workplace by Facebook. We all help each other out. We have people that come into the office. We do charity events. You know, we're a fun young company, mm-hmm. and I don't want to get to 200 agents, and I don't want pe- people to think that they're gonna. I would rather when, when we get to 50 agents, I would rather focus on how we can take that group and make them more profitable. Mm-hmm. Right, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. Would you consider yourself a natural leader or? Um, has it been like a, like a slow progress as far as getting to where you are today with you know cultivating these relationships with your mm-hmm. agents and, and building this business? Yeah, well, I would consider myself a natural leader to some extent, but I kind of really didn't. I mean, I consider myself a natural leader. I'm good with people. I like to be around them. But I, I also realized over the last couple years that... I really needed to, to focus on when you're in that, that if you're, when you're a broker and you're, you're producing and then you're trying to manage and lead at the same time, okay. like it's hard for the mind to serve two masters. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like this year we're taking a, a financial hit because I'm focusing on the you know, the building better systems, man, like we literally just closed a duplex a couple months ago, not because we, we didn't need the money. Okay. It's because over the next six months, I, I wanted to focus on getting our systems together, getting the right people and not have to go focus on my own production. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm still doing deals, right. but I don't want to have to go grind for those deals mm-hmm. because what I found in, in the times that I've failed is when I'm trying to be a leader, but my mind is in production. Mm-hmm. So, and then also in this company, we've got my office manager, Sony Tracy and our, uh, our sales manager, um, John McCarthy. Um, I've, these people have organically risen to be leaders in our company mm-hmm. and that really helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And I know, so you mentioned a couple times uh, about how you just want to provide value. Yeah. And you mentioned that term a lot. And I know you have been in sales, whether it's in different industries, for quite a while now. Yeah. And, you know, really when people hear the word sales, sometimes it's always about like, you know, trying to convince someone to buy something or yeah. you know, ask someone for something. Mm-hmm. But when providing value is somewhat an op- the opposite, right? It's a different technique. Yeah. And I'm wondering when you learned that um, and how that has been beneficial for you here at Spyglass. Well, I think I always knew that. The, the, the difference is, is when you're dealing with leads is how to convey that into, uh, especially with internet leads, right? Like you've got literally seconds to, 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 to get this person to think that they're going to deal with you. And I've said this before, but like, Everyone knows they need, well, maybe they don't, not everyone, but, but everyone needs a quality agent that's going to help them. Mm-hmm. They just don't know that agent is going to be you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we've practiced a lot on 
uh, sales techniques, kind of like people call them scripts. I call them outlines, right? You know, asking the right questions, doing it, especially when it's, when it's internet leads, because someone registers on your site and you call them, you have seconds to turn that around. And the way you do that is you, you ask the rapid fire questions and then you interject your values, your, your value propositions in a very, uh, tactful way that they will see the value in you. Okay. And you always have to have, when you're in sales, you always have to have, what are your three or four value propositions? What makes you different than anybody else? And how do you relay that in a conversation? Because nobody wants to sit there and let you let, listen to you talk the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. So you do that by asking questions. You do that by interjecting very tactfully how you handle those questions. Mm-hmm. When I go to a listing appointment, I don't get there and open up my presentation. I have a, I have a, a, a form that are a list of questions and I, I do things completely different. I've got all the, all, all the brochures and presentations in my, you know, they're all with me, but I start out like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to ask you questions. Yeah. I can go through a big song and dance of what it is we do, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ask you questions and then I'm going to let you know how we, address your concerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And we have a, I guess a similar technique as far as providing value is, um, with our company. That's what we want to do. Like, that's why we're doing this podcast sure. today, you know, exactly. um, is we just want to provide as much value as possible. And I feel like I accidentally stumbled into that because it's just in my character. I don't know where, you know, in my childhood this came from, but I don't like asking people for things. Being in a sales position makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't know why. And so whenever I came on board with Matt uh, for Tree Homes, my whole goal was uh, around branding and just providing as much value as possible. And then over the last, you know, two years, mainly the past year, we've seen the, we've been able to reap the rewards from that yeah from all the you know the value that we're providing is coming back to us yeah which is really cool so it's interesting to see that like you know just giving to other people and being empathetic and and compassionate is huge and it goes a long way yeah and it takes time right you know you you gotta put items of value out there before you can ask for something Mm -hmm. you know and and you gotta create a following you create an audience you know you gotta it's like dating you know you you gotta it takes a little bit of time Mm -hmm. so especially when it comes to social media yeah yeah definitely um and so that was actually my next question about social media. You seem like you've got it down and you're really honing in on this when I feel like real estate in general is an industry that um, maybe is a little bit behind yeah. as far as tech and digital content is sure. concerned. So what, I guess, what led you to um, travel down that path of really honing in on digital content and social media? You know, I think it's because I, when I was young, I wanted to be a journalist and I like to write and I'm, I'm, I can come up with, you know, I can come up, I can write copy. It won't, it won't look good grammatically, but I can come up with copy out of the, just off the top of my head. I can write a blog in, you know, literally an hour. Somebody has to come and edit it, but um, I've always enjoyed the creative process. I can't draw very well. I don't do anything else creatively, but um, you know, I like to write. I like to create marketing stuff. I'm not the best at it, but it comes naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and 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 it's 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 fun. Like you know, my one of my biggest uh, you know flaws is like I really hone myself in from 
taking on too many marketing projects because I generally enjoy it and I'll spend too much money on it if I don't check myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Are you doing all the marketing by yourself or do you have someone else helping you out, like a marketing director? No, I've got um, I, uh, I've got a full-time marketing assistant um, and we have a, a part-time assistant as well. Uh, I come up with everything and kind of orchestrate it and she, you know, Kelly's my, my marketing assistant and uh, she's been with me for about a year now and I've always had a marketing assistant for like the past three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So. Very cool. Um, well, uh, to wrap things up, I wanted to ask you, you know, a lot of people can see you and see that you've, you know, gotten to this level of success today. So what is like either the one piece of advice that you would give, uh, listeners to entrepreneurs or real estate professionals, mm-hmm. um, or the one thing that, um, you would attribute to your success? I would say that I would try to focus on on what makes you different than your competition. And if you don't have something that's really special, you know, for us, it's the marketing, it's presentation of property, right? And if you don't have something that's really special, go out and find it, right? Go out and find something that that makes you special. Um, you know, you can go to courses, you can go to conferences, you can like, if you, especially in, in real estate, you can go. Uh, what I found is, is what I love about conferences, and it's not necessarily the conference. I mean, I've got more value out of the hotel bar than anything else, right? Yeah. And, and, and create relationships with top producers outside of your market. Mm-hmm. And you could say that with any industry. If you're a roofer and you want to know what the best roofer is, drive to Houston and see if you can meet up with someone there, mm-hmm. you know? And then once you find out what that is that makes you special, then you need to create your content in a way that adds value to these people and attracts them to you so then you can start to sell them over time based on after you've given right yeah awesome that's great advice yeah yeah very cool well ryan thank you so much for being on our podcast um we both really enjoyed this and you know hope to do uh, a lot of good things and uh, collaborate in the future with you. yeah thank thank you so much for taking the time and this has been fun cool yeah. thank you appreciate awesome. it yeah see you guys later